welcome Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia. This is Genesis to Revelation, August 6, 2022, and we're going to continue with our study of 1 Samuel. And uh, last week we uh, covered um, the first four chapters of it, and it was a really horrible time for the Israelites. Uh, we, we covered the uh, annihilation of a virtual annihilation of the tribe of Benjamin because the Be- tribe of Benjamin had sunk into kind of like a um, a period of Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> right? And uh, they were virtually annihilated by the Ephraimites and other tribes. And then they finally came back, had to procure wives from uh, certain uh, elements of uh, the 12 tribes that weren't under the oath to annihilate Benjamin. What a sad story of our people, folks. But it just proves that when we fall into depravity and disobedience, then bad things happen. Right, Dan? Bad things happen. Every, yep. Every time. Yep. Every single time. Yeah. So we're going to pick it up from uh, chapter 5, 1 Samuel. And uh, so we're, we're going to, uh, uh, but first we're going to do an introductory article on, uh, because you know, this emeralds, which is translated as hemorrhoids. And you know, I looked at the text as golden hemorrhoids, really? <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it, these paganized, uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, not, not Hittites, uh, the, the Philistines. You know, I mean, uh, the pagans are capable of anything, right? But uh, uh, memorializing your hemorrhoids by making gold images of them? <laughs> I mean, come on now. That's the, uh, so this article here, the golden emeralds and golden mice from uh, SharonKGilbert.com. And I'll post this article in the chat room. This is really a good article. Over to you, Dan. Okay. Well, I'll get started on this article. It's okay. entitled The Golden Emeralds and Golden Mice. <clears throat> um, and it's covering 1 Samuel chapters, chapter 2, verse 30 through 1 Samuel 15:35. Okay. You know, I very nearly decided to write about Hannah's prayer today. But instead, I thought it better to discuss the Emirates and the Philistines. <clears throat> because of Eli's failure to curb his son's wicked behavior, God declares a judgment upon the entire house of Eli and upon Israel. <clears throat> Consequently, the Ark of the Covenant is captured by the Philistines, with whom it resides, hopping from town to town for seven months. Why only seven months? And why the tour of Philistia? The Ark as God's dwelling on earth, brought God himself into their camps, and the result was not pretty. Their chief god, Dagon, bowed to the ark again and again, which should should have given them a clue. Finally, after numerous writings of the Dagon statue, you can just picture those foolish Philistines huffing and puffing as they lifted the heavy stone statue of their favorite god, Dagon, into place. God drove the message home by chopping off Dagon's head and hands. So the ark went to a new town. God's judgment was swift and painful. Emeralds. Now, emeralds is an old English word, and it actually means hemorrhoids. Talk about a plague. All the men, young and old, were afflicted with this sensitive and private malady, bleeding and bursting and terrifically painful. How embarrassing. When the Philistines speak of this as a great destruction, even as slaying, then this type of hemorrhoid must have been sore indeed. Now, there is an alternative translation of the Hebrew word tekor. Some scholars prefer to render it as a boil. This translation makes a little more sense to me because of the items chosen by the Philistines as offerings to Jehovah. Five golden emeralds, tekor, and five golden field mice, akbar. Perhaps the inclusion of the mice represents a plague not mentioned in our passage. Perhaps mice were overrunning their houses and eating their grain. Or perhaps the mice revealed the disease behind the boils, bubonic plague. Uh Uh-huh. 
makes it's, a lot more sense than yes, it does. hemorrhoids. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> In Although, Samuel, that could be chapters. a plague too, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Although that, you know, it's uh, not transmissible, right? It's a dietary. Hemorrhoids are a dietary problem. All right, back to you. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 4, we read, Then they then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all. And on your lords. The word translated plague is mag- magatha, which implies a slaughter. Normally, hemorrhoids don't kill, although you could presumably bleed to death. Boils, mice, slaughter. This sounds like black death or the bubonic plague to me. And it explains the mice, since mice and rats are known carriers of plague and other hemorrhagic diseases. The Philistines concluded that the only way to end their plague was to return the ark to Israel. But how? They built a cart and set the ark upon it. Next to it, they placed a coffer or box with the golden emeralds and the golden mice inside. They found two cows who had never worn a yoke, which meant they didn't know how to pull a cart. The Philistines then removed the cow's calves. Imagine a mom leaving her child without complaint. They included no driver, for this was a test. If the cows refused to pull, if the cows returned to their calves, if the cows pulled in any direction other than the road to Bath Shemesh, back to the ark's home, then the Philistines would assume that the plagues had been merely coincidental. The woeful Philistines then sent the cart on its way without a driver, Miraculously, the cows pulled the cart directly onto God's highway toward Bath Shemesh without deviating even once on their path and without one complaint, neither pulling to the left nor to the right. Interestingly, some men of the Philistines walked alongside the cart, just making sure the cows continued to Bath Shemesh, which would definitely confirm that the plague had come from Jehovah. Of course, the Philistine men stopped short of the border and then hightailed it back to their own towns to tell the story, much to the relief of their fellow townsmen and to the relief of the town's gods as well, I suspect. Okay. All right. I'd I'd say this is a really good analysis of the actual disease, right? And uh, she uses this term hightailed, which a lot of British people might not be familiar with. Hightailing it is a reference to roadrunners and also running very fast. Right, yeah. Getting and when out they, of there. And when they run, most most birds that run on the ground, uh, their tails will stick straight up in the air as they run. And cats do that too. And not so much dogs, but cats, they, they hightail it when they run too, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the our British listeners might not be familiar with that term. That's what hightailing means. All right, so let's get into... The Bible and what it has to say, now that we have a, a better idea of what <clears throat> in, in the world <laughs> these golden emeralds might be, over to you, First Samuel 5.1. Take it. Here we go. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Okay, now interestingly, now when, uh, sorry to interrupt here, but... Dagon or Dogon, there's actually a black tribe in the heart of Africa that call themselves the Dogon. And uh, I have a feeling that the Dogon actually, because they wouldn't have the same gods as the Canaanites, but I would imagine that they learned about this god Dagon, which they called Dogon, from either the Canaanites or from the Israelites uh, at some point later on in history. And it has a very interesting uh, history that uh, this this tribe of the Dogon is a reference to the dog star Sirius. And somehow these people knew that uh, the star Sirius was actually a triple star. And uh, it it was a a larger star being uh, surrounded or or encircled, uh, orbiting. The two other stars were orbiting the larger star. 
And they knew this. They had written this down in their tribal records. Now, there's, since there was no such thing as telescopes <laughs> right in those days, where'd they get this information from? It was probably you know copied down from the astronomers, either of Babylon or some other place, where they somehow realized, or from the fallen angels, right? <laughs> Somebody knew that uh, the dog star Sirius, that's where you get Dagon or Dagon, it means it's a dog star, that this uh, history of this tribe is very, very interesting. The question, how in the world could they have known that Sirius was a triple star? But they knew it. And uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, anthropologists have drug <laughs> this information out of them. And uh, that's what the record shows. Back to you. Verse 3. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of Yahweh. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they rose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of Yahweh. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of Yahweh was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coasts thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of the God of Israel about thither. <clears throat> and it was so that after they had carried it about, the hand of Yahweh was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had emeralds in their secret parts. Now, that's interesting. Now, uh, their secret parts, I yeah. mean, that implies um, okay, something. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? They're, you Syphilis? Know. Gonorrhea? I, uh, yeah, I guess it could be that, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. It wasn't It wasn't in their butt. <laughs> Although <Right. laughs> I guess we would consider that a private part as well, right? Yeah, yeah that could be. So it could same. mean either or both. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Verse 10, therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And it came to pass as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out, saying, they have brought about the ark of the God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go again to his own place, that it slay us not and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men that died not were smitten with the emeralds, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. <clears throat> End of chapter 5. Chapter 6, and the ark of Yahweh was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of Yahweh? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering. Then you shall be healed. And it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords. Okay, hold on. Wherefore, plague. What is the plague here? Let me check the uh, concordance. Yeah, figures it won't it won't show me the word. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll have to uh, keep. It's not keep in going. there. No, it is. As I click on it, it won't it won't show up. You know, I'm using uh, eSort. Here it is finally. Uh, oh yeah, as the author said, magepa, magepa. All right, a pestilence. 
by analogy, defeat, plague. All right, so, uh, yeah, it's some kind of plague, uh, unspecified, not mm-hmm. necessarily hem- or hemorrhoids could be a symptom, right? But uh, I think she's correct in saying it's probably more like boils from bubonic plague. Back to you. Verse 5. Wherefore, you shall make images of your emeralds and images <laughs> of your mice that mar the land. Yeah. You shall give glory unto the God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. Wherefore, then do ye harden your hearts, as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go, and they departed? Yeah. Now, therefore, make a new cart, and take two milk kine, on which there has come no yoke, and tie the kine to the cart, and bring the calves home from them, and take the ark of Yahweh, and lay it upon the cart, and put the the jewels of gold which you return him for a trespass offering in a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go and see if it goes up by the way of his own coast to Bath Shemesh. Then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so and took two milk kine and tied them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of Yahweh upon the cart, and the coffer with the mice of gold, and the images of their emeralds. And the kind took the straight way to the way of Bashemesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Bethshemesh. Okay, just a quick comment here. Uh, the King James here spells milk, M-I-L-C-H. That, mm-hmm. is, that is the Germanic spelling and pronunciation. Milk, milk, with the, you know, that C-H is left over from the Hebrew, <clears throat> which the English you know, pretty much uh, eliminates the C-H of the Hebrew, which is a guttural sound, not K sound. And uh, that's the German spelling. Uh, why the King James preserves the German spelling, I don't know. Maybe it was still common in the days when the King James was translated. Back to you. Verse 13. And they of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Beth Shemite, and stood there where there was a great stone. And they claved the wood of the cart and offered the kind of burnt offering unto Yahweh. And the Levites took down the ark of Yahweh and the coffer that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day unto Yahweh. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. And these are the golden emeralds which the Philistines returned for a trespass offering unto Yahweh. For Ashdod one, for Gaza one, for Ascalon one, for Gath one, for Ekron one. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both of fenced cities and of country villages, even unto the great stone of Abel, whereon they set down the ark of Yahweh which stone remains unto this day in the field of Joshua, the Beth Shemite. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of Yahweh. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented, because Yahweh had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Yahweh God? And to whom shall he go up from us? And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kerjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought, an ark, have, have brought again the ark of Yahweh. Come you down and fetch it up to you. End of chapter 6. Okay, well, so it's obvious that Israel's enemies understand that uh, Yahweh is a very powerful God, right? But our people tend to forget it, as, as they have done today. 
right? They believe in this manby-pamby Jesus who loves everybody, and they're going to find out otherwise when he returns. All right, back to you. All you got to do is believe. Yeah, right. Don't yeah. have to do anything. And love everybody, especially love and the love Jews. Everybody. Right. By, by the way, uh, 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 I shared um, a, an article by Chuck Baldwin. I'm probably going to read it tonight on the Restoration Hour, where he he just flat out says the Jews are not Israelites and the uh, Christian world is a bunch of idiots for uh, uh, supporting the Israeli state. This is from Chuck Baldwin, folks. So I'm definitely going to read that tonight on Restoration Hour. Back to you. All right. Yeah. Chapter 7. And the men of kerjath Jerim came and fetched up the ark of Yahweh and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of Yahweh. And it came to pass while the ark abode in kerjath Jerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after Yahweh. Verse 3, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto Yahweh with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto Yahweh, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served Yahweh only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto Yahweh. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before Yahweh, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against Yahweh. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto Yahweh our God for us, for that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto Yahweh. And Samuel cried unto Yahweh for Israel, and Yahweh heard him. Okay, this is interesting. Uh, this is sorry to interrupt again. This is very interesting because the Old Testament is full of examples where the Israelites repent of their sins and make an attempt to go back to Yahweh. Okay, so Israel admits its sinfulness over and over and over again. However, the Jews who claim to be Israel never admit to doing anything wrong. <laughs> And they always blame us for whatever misfortune happens to them, right? So this is mm -hmm. totally out of character of Israel. But it's, but it's part of the Jewish character. Back to you. Verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But Yahweh thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath Yahweh helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of Yahweh was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even unto Gath. And the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Yeah, and here again, the Israelites were uh, slaves to the Philistines. But the Jews in John chapter 8 admit of never having been uh, you know, uh, enslaved to any, any man. Okay, again, I mean, the, the differences between the Israelites and the Edomite Jews is, it's stark, absolutely stark. You, you can't mistake the differences between the Israelites and the Edomites. And, uh, you know, it's plain as day, even today. Back to you. Have you noticed that when Israel followed Yahweh, that they never had fear? They didn't fear anything, but when yes. they weren't following him, yeah. they would... They were scared to death of everything, and it yeah. goes back to Deuteronomy that we'd be scared of a rustling leaf. Right, you know, right. Where he made yeah. that. Uh, or a hypodermic needle. 
or a hypodermic. <laughs> yeah, run, run. Hypodermics are after <laughs> us, right? <laughs> Somebody needs to make a cartoon about that. <laughs> the whole uh, the whole world of Israel, except for those of us in Christian identity who know better, are, uh, are in, t- in terror of COVID. Right. Yeah, over a, yeah. over an illness with a ninety nine percent survival rate. Right. You're scared to death of it. Amen. All right. Verse fifteen. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel. And there he built an altar unto Yahweh. End of chapter 7. All right. Chapter 8. Oh, here's where Israel demands a king. Ooh. They weren't happy with Yahweh. So yeah, they no. a man king. <laughs> right. It could be so much better, right? But, yeah, right. And we've yeah. been paying, paying the price for this yeah. ever since. He won't be so demanding. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Big mistake, but uh, it is what it is. Yep. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes (laughs) and perverted judgment. Oh, no. Wow, imagine that. Filthy lucre, that. Jew, Jew lucre, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge oh. us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto Yahweh. And Yahweh said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, out of Egypt even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of Yahweh unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed, and of your vineyards, and give to his officers, and to his servants. Just an interjection here. They, they take a lot more than a tenth today. <laughs> That's right, right. Well, this sounds very much like the sun king of France, right? The uh, the nobles live in absolute luxury while the peasants slave themselves to death and, and very often starve, right? So th- mm-hmm. this, is, uh, this is what happens. Uh, uh, but our people will never learn until the second coming, <laughs> you know, when he will rule with a rod of iron. Back to you. Verse 16. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants. And he shall cry out in that day because your king, which ye shall have chosen you, which ye shall, which ye shall have chosen you and Yahweh will not hear you in that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. Right. That we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before (laughs) us and fight our battles. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now, this has to be the tithe 10% in addition to the 
10% that was given to the Levites, you know, and, and the temple. So, you know, we're talking about doubling the taxes on the nation. Of course, the tithe for the temple was voluntary, right? Mm-hmm. Yahweh did not punish uh, Israelites for not uh, contributing to the temple and to the Levites. But uh, the, the king will punish you <laughs> if you don't contribute your pound of flesh to the temple, right? His temple. Back to you. Verse 21, and Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of Yahweh. And Yahweh said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. (laughs) And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man unto his city. End of chapter 8. So they're getting what they wanted. They wanted a man king. They didn't want Yahweh. They wanted a man king. Right, right. Samuel warned them. God warned them. Right. Think they're think they're going to listen? Nope. Now it's interesting. The slogan of the American Re- Revolution was "No King but Jesus." But Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a harbinger of the future coming kingdom. Uh, America may fail, but the kingdom won't. Back to you. Chapter nine. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of the servants with thee and arise, go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalim and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith come surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now, for he came today to the city. For there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. As soon as ye be come into the city, ye shall straightway find him, before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because because he does bless the sacrifice. And afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them, for to go up to the high place. Now Yahweh had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, Yahweh said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of. This same shall reign over my people. 
Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold that which is left, set it before thee and eat. For unto this time has it been kept for thee since I said I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel, abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Okay. So we have to put up with Saul <laughs> for a while, okay, before David takes his place. All right. Saul was a real nut job. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a Benjamite. <laughs> okay. All right, chapter yeah. 10. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because Yahweh has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher behind in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father has left care of the asses and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come down to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the spirit of Yahweh will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are coming to thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs, those signs came to pass that day. <clears throat> and when they came thither to the hill, Behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? 
And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. And Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found. But of the matter of the kingdom, whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. And Samuel called the people together unto Yahweh to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith Yahweh, God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you. And ye had this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversaries and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, No, but set a king over us. (laughs) Now therefore present yourselves before Yahweh by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of Yahweh further. If the man should come thither, it and Yahweh answered, Behold, he has hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom Yahweh has chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. <laughs> All right, yeah. That's, that's the British answer, right? God save the king. <laughs> then yeah. Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before Yahweh. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And there went him, went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, For, they, uh, chapter they, they accepted 11. lesser men. <laughs> right. Yeah, really. Okay. Look what we've got. We've got Joe Biden. <laughs> Can't even form a complete sentence. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay, chapter 11. Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash, the Ammonite, answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel. And then, if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul, and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of the messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of Yahweh fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall you say unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by that time, the sun be hot, you shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you. And you shall do with us all that seems good unto you. 
And and it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies. And they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered so that two of them were not left together. And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. <laughs> and Saul said, there Yeah, shall not we want Trump. Man. We want Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And, and Saul said, There shall not be a man be put to death this day. For today Yahweh has wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, Come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before Yahweh in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before Yahweh. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Okay, now this is very interesting where it says, when they numbered the people of Israel, there were 300,000. Now, is this a total of, yeah, and and, tip, yeah, typically they just number the men of war, right? The adult men capable of making war. Mm-hmm. But if this is to be taken literally, that means, you know, and with the Israelites having come out of Egypt, uh, numbering two million, and obviously their numbers increased uh, during the 40 years in the desert, all the warfare going on amongst the Israelites and uh, with the Philistines and people, I'm sure a lot of Israelites just left and sailed to the west, you know, to populate Ireland, Britain, Spain, etc. Uh, that uh, this may be a literal count of only three hundred thousand Israelites and thirty thousand men of Judah. It says right, I'm, yeah, yeah, thirty thousand. I don't think we uh, we have to take this literally. That this is what mm-hmm. happened to the Israelites. That our population decreased tremendously due to all this inter- mm-hmm. internecine warfare and people just leaving. And, you know, we, we know also that uh, from the days of Solomon that uh, the Phoenician ships were sailed. The sailors were Israelites of various tribes. And so our people just kept on leaving. This has to be the case that our people just kept on leaving for points west. Back to you. Okay. Chapter 12. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that ye said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am, witness against me before Yahweh and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken out of any man's hand. And he said unto them, Yahweh is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. And Samuel said unto the people, It is Yahweh that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before Yahweh of all the righteous acts of Yahweh, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was coming to Egypt, and your fathers cried unto Yahweh, Then Yahweh sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot Yahweh their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And they cried unto Yahweh and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken Yahweh, and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth, But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. And Yahweh sent Jerubbabel, and Bedan, and Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelled safe. 
And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, No, but a king shall reign over us. And when Yahweh, when Yahweh your God was your king. Now therefore behold the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear Yahweh and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then shall both ye and also the king that reigns over you continue following Yahweh your God. But if you will not obey the voice of Yahweh, but rebel against the commandments of Yahweh, then shall the hand of Yahweh be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which Yahweh will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto Yahweh, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of Yahweh in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto Yahweh, and Yahweh sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared Yahweh and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto Yahweh thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. <laughs> and Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following Yahweh. But serve Yahweh with all your heart, and turn you not aside. For then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For Yahweh will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased Yahweh to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against Yahweh in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear Yahweh and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he has done for you. But if you shall do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. But we forget so easily, <laughs> right? Yes, okay. we do. Yeah, temptation comes along and we forget Yahweh. Yep, we're That's all guilty right. of it. That's right. Including me. Mm. <laughs> all right, chapter 13. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel... Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in Mount Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was had an abomination with the Philistines. And the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in the caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days, according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto Yahweh. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of Yahweh thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would Yahweh have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. 
But now thy kingdom shall not continue. Yahweh has sought him a man after his own heart. And Yahweh has commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast kept, has not kept that which Yahweh commanded thee. And Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with them abode in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned into the way that leads to the to Ophrah, unto the land of Shul. And another company turned the way to Beth Haran. And another company turned the way of the border that looks to the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son was there found. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Okay. All right. We're just about out of time. So uh, lots of progress here in the uh, book of First Samuel. And uh, I looked up the mattock is kind of like a pickaxe. Okay. And uh, so uh, I was curious whether or not where it says the, um, uh, what was the word here? Anyway, uh, a smith. Okay. Uh, that's a different word. I was wondering if it was going to be Kenite uh, for metalsmith, but no, a smith is Korosh, a fabricator of any material. Okay. So it doesn't matter whether it's metal. So a smith can be any uh, any uh, fabricator at all, okay? So it could be a woodworker, it could be anything. So that's why we don't have Kenite, which is um, a generic word for metalsmith. All right, okay, uh, Dan, good job. Uh, Thank we're, you. Yeah, we're we're doing uh, uh, making quick work of First uh, Samuel. I can't wait to get to Second Samuel, where David is anointed. <laughs> right. So yeah, these talk, are my favorite books of the Bible. When right. you start getting where there's real stories and you know, right. um, yeah. it's all pretty interesting stuff to me. Yeah, yeah. So and some tall tales too. <laughs> yeah, as told by the Israelites, right? So okay, all right, folks. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. We'll see you next week, and uh, be sure to stay tuned for Restoration Hour tonight, where I'm going to talk about the uh you know all all of the craziness going on in the world today see you all later praise Yahweh pass the ammunition bye bye everybody goodbye everybody bye